in a roundabout way, maybe people have to go through that type of a journey to land on who they actually are. Because you, you can read all the books that you want, but until you start experimenting with, oh, let me try things this way, and then here's this angle, and here's that angle, um, and then you develop your own. But I'm trying to imagine what would it be like for somebody who's never been through any of the either salesy stuff, customer service stuff, personal growth stuff. They've not been on a journey yet, but they have this, this idea or a goal. I want to start a business or I want to you know, be a top salesperson or something. Um, what if you tried to say to them, just decide who you are and, you know, using what is now for me becoming kind of a hackneyed term, I suppose, losing a little bit of meaning because it's overused, but be your authentic self. Pleasure to have you here. Oh, thank you for inviting me. That's all good. Um, so we spoke, when was it first? I think it was about maybe a month and a half ago or something around that time. Um, around that, yeah. And when we first spoke, um, initially when we started talking, you asked me all these questions about my business and what I do and and all these kind of things. And to be honest with you, I thought that you may be trying to get me into what you were doing. Like, like let me find out what you're up to. And it really shocked me. At the end of the call, you said something quite interesting. You're like, um, uh, how can I serve you? And I'm just sitting there like, whoa, what? What question is that? That's I've never been on a call before when someone has said that at the end so clearly and so distinctively, like the word serve, like is such a, um, interesting word. Right. And from there, I'm like, this person's amazing. I have to, I definitely have to speak to her now. And I thought it was so beautiful. And I just wanted to share, like, ever since I heard that, like I've been for people who I speak to on, on calls and just anyone really, um, I come from a frame of contribution and wanting to share Mm -hmm. and wanting to, um, how would you put it, uh, serve them. Um, so I'd love to talk about that. Like, where did that come from? And, and I guess, how's that affected you and your life and your business? Wow. Gosh, that's an interesting question. And I suppose a really, really long history. Um, I've been in business for just over 30 years now. And I suspect that when I started, I probably had a different theory or a different approach that had to do with, you know, oh, you have to compete. You have to you'd be very competitive to be in business and to get ahead and get clients and all that sort of thing. And I looking back, hindsight being 2020, I would say that was a time of struggle, a time of push mm-hmm. and hard, really, really hard work. And you know what? Interesting. I don't know that I can peg exactly when or how or why that changed. I think it was kind of a gradual evolution over time that I kind of morphed into an easier way that also suited me that um, I don't I don't enjoy high pressure salesy anything. It's just, I've never resonated with that. I remember having a sense of, oh, I have to learn how to do this. I have to learn how to write the, the, the really pushy buy now, buy now, but wait, there's more, you know, get a Ginsu steamer and a <laughs> whatever. Um, and I never liked that. And I think a lot of that came from, um, gosh, 1980s, 
hardcore sales kind of stuff. Brian Tracy and uh, Amway, Amways, and as much. And I, I have nothing against Amway or any of the multi-level marketing things. I like their products generally, but I know that the old style sales of um, when you're connecting with people, it was a sense of seeing them as they as if they were dollar signs instead of humans. And I found also that when people connect with me, they connect with me in two ways. They're either coming to me because something's going wrong and they're needing help or there's a gap. There's and maybe it's I even go even something going wrong is probably pretty harsh, but there's a gap that they're looking to fill to shore up. So they're reaching out to me or they're reaching out to me because they're doing really well and they're now wanting to take it to transcend, to go to a higher level. They're, they're not reaching out to me because they want me to sell them something. So <laughs> I think over the years, I just found an ease of interacting from a place of, I, I don't need anything. What I want is to create connection and ask the question always first, how can I help you? And I guess, you know, if you want to, if you want to look to common literature in there, it's the old Stephen Covey seek first to understand and then to mm -hmm. be understood. Um, I think there's an amazing amount of wisdom, but mostly it came from how it made me feel to, uh, to be curious. And it was, it was really interesting because I had a chat with some friends when I first received your email that was explaining what you were, what you were doing. And I went, Oh, that feels really nice. I love being asked to be on a podcast. That's really <laughs> awesome. Um, and then of course, like everything, the thought process of, well, what's sitting underneath this? What's, where is it coming from? And I went, what if it's not coming from anywhere except from wanting to connect and let's go there with total curiosity. So just my that. way. I love that. And I, so I was doing sales for since 2016, 2015, I was doing sales and I, I started working a sales job um, doing in face and also on the phone. And um, I started reading all the books you know, uh, the more modern ones like Jordan Belfort and things like that. And yeah. for me, like, um, and again, so there's, there was layers of mindset that I've been taught or rather that I've had been drawn to that I, that I, that was like my armoring on my body, right? Like, a, you know, a, an ancient uh, soldier would wear armoring on their body to defend themselves from being attacked, right? So in business and in sales and in life, we wear this armor on our bodies to protect ourselves from from being hurt in a way, right? I know it's a big stretch, but I'll explain why. And I had the first layer of my armoring, the, the, the sheath in a way was this personal development frame of like, um, I need to read these books. I need to take action on every single one of them. And it's like this shutdown of intuition, like action, action, action. So I read this Jordan <laughs> Belfort book and every single chapter I'd highlight things and I'd write down and I'll take an action on it. Like I need to do this, 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 this. Now do all these things in this book and all these actions. So I copied exactly what he said, the A to Z of how he said to do things in sales. Now, one of those things is, so I used to have a company called Splen. It's like, you, you have to start the phone call with a, like a bottled excitement. Hi, this is Luke here from, and it wasn't me, you know, like I'm enthusiastic when I'm enthusiastic and I'm not enthusiastic when I'm not enthusiastic. 
So I did all the things. I bought, I, I, I sipped the Kool-Aid metaphorically and <laughs> I did all those things, right? So then I go on the phones and I'm like, great. Now I'll get all those commissions, get all those sales. I'll be number one on the team. And before I was doing quite well, I was just like doing random approach, whatever. And I started doing this and my sales went down. They went massively down. And, um, and I thought it was because I wasn't doing the method properly. You know, I need to, need to refine the method. But I was doing everything that he said. And I was just like, keep going, keep going. Remember, I did the training. Didn't up doing the training. But I just realized that I looked around at me, the people that were performing the best. And one of them was this uh, Egyptian. Uh, his background is Egyptian. And he was, um, his name is Bash, right? Um, and he, uh, his like personality was very like aggressive, but he wasn't trying to be. It's just, you know, like that kind of around that area, they're very aggressive. Like, da, da, da. They're not mm. trying to be aggressive. It's just like who they are in a way, right? And he was very like, aggressive on the phone. He was speaking to people that were similar nationalities and, and they just, they, they straight away connected with him, right? And so now I'm looking, like you said, uh, you know, Visions 2020, you look back on it. Now looking back on it, it's like I was trying to be someone I wasn't, right? And then throughout the years since about 2018, over time, I've been slowly letting go of those layers. And then, and it, I haven't told you this, but that call that we had, Again, like, because I'm coming from that frame, I thought you were trying to, you asked me questions to sell something to me. And I'm like, <laughs> so I was getting defensive. And then you're like, how can I serve you? And then you end up referring someone to me and, and Nerida, which I spoke to, and which we can chat about a bit later on. But, um, and it's just so beautiful. And then from there, like that, that final layer of like, I, I, this is not me. I'm not, a, I'm not, I'm not salesy. I'm not like, you know, I'm not like, and I think what it is, it's core. It's like, there's this misalignment between who you are and who you're trying to be. You're trying to be something to get a certain result. And as humans, we have this instinct in our mind, which is like, don't trust this person if you're trying to be someone else, you know? So that was the final, that, that conversation that broke the, the the pattern for me. And from there, like I was able to, you know, now going on calls and doing things like, great, I'd love to work with this person, but I just want to have great relationships. I want to like my life. I want to like who I spend time with and I want to contribute. And that's the best feeling. That's an abundance feeling you're coming from. So yeah, I just wanted to share that with you. Oh, that's awesome. And I I resonate with all of that. And it makes me think that in a roundabout way, maybe people have to go through that type of a journey to land on who they actually are. Because you you can read all the books that you want, but until you start experimenting with oh, let me try things this way. And then here's this angle and here's that angle. Um, and then you develop your own. But I'm trying to imagine what would it be like for somebody who's never been through any of the either salesy stuff, customer service stuff, personal growth stuff. They've not been on a journey yet, but they have this, this idea or a goal. I want to start a business or I want to you know, be a top salesperson or something. Um, what if you tried to say to them, just decide who you are and, you know, using what is now for me becoming kind of a hackneyed term, I suppose, losing a little bit of meaning because it's overused, but be your authentic self. <laughs> but what if they don't know who that is yet? And I think that's a, it's a, it's a development across time. And I think there's some wisdom in going through those experiments, having the feedback, making some mistakes and, having exercising some level of patience somewhere along the line, knowing that 
there is good outcome on the other side. Because I, I, I love an expression from um, that I'm stealing from an old uh, business partner of mine from many years ago. Um, she called it spin the guru. <laughs> it's that, you know, read the book, saw the movie, went to the seminar, bought the t-shirt, did all the stuff. And whether it led to success, failure, or somewhere in the middle, um, the experience started to create who we are along the way. So. It's huge. And this is so what I'm doing in my other businesses, I'm doing personal branding for people. And the biggest thing that I see is that, and it's like there's, there's so many layers to it and people, the what gets results is, of course, strategy. Like strategy is always going to be there. But what really mm-hmm. gets results is, when someone truly expresses who they are, like here's my family or here's what I'm doing the weekend mixed with like the advice and the things like that. And, and everyone's, uh, you know, not everyone, but most people, they, when I put the opportunity for a podcast, they're like, what, do, what do you want from me? Like, what do you want me to, like, what can we extract from me? Like, I'm like, I don't, I don't want to extract. I want to have a conversation mm. and human connection is the highest. It's been, uh, it's been, what's the word I'm looking for? it's even more important now because it's like we're coming full circle. It's like before the internet, before, you know, phones and all these things, it was like human connection was this, this, you know, more pure thing, at least in the utopian world that we thought it was back then. And then, you know, the disruptions come along with the internet and then we turn to like this, you know, like almost robotic way of representing ourselves through video editing and stuff. And now it's almost coming full circle. It's like, we're now bringing that real authentic connection back online. So I really resonate what you said there, like being your authentic self. Like I think that journey is almost like the hero's journey to to winning to winning a or obtaining a beautiful life. I would agree, and it I, it calls up a question for me. I'd be curious to know what your thoughts are on how do you have that level of connection? I mean, because I I feel like we our connection started out with an email and then a phone call and then. We had the face-to-face thing as close as we could get via this sort of medium. Um, I, years ago, I was uh, a director for a banking organization, and they did some research that absolutely rocked my world. It, it shocked me, actually. They were asking people what was their definition of community. And I think you know, thinking about that, my definition of community, how I grew up was a neighborhood or a geographical location. And it, the, those were the ways that most people made connection was in that very personal getting to know you across time, people you grew up with or neighbors that were around you, how you support each other that way. And it was completely opposite in this particular definition of community, that community was now the World Wide Web. And instead of a community of perhaps hundreds, it was potentially a community of tens of thousands stretching out even to the millions because of Internet. And it really put me into a spiral of going, I don't know if I know how to do that. How do, how do we? So, And it's one of the things that I have to say connected me very much to your messages. And I, I adore the name of your company pers- or uh, your, your process called Personify because it really spoke to me about how do, we, how do we create that personal brand, but beyond the brand or the facade or the mask, 
how do we actually reach more deeply in? And it's like, I just want to go to the camera and go like, (laughs) how do do we go more deeply in to really, truly getting to know each other in a connected, useful, valuable, um, long lasting way. So something that's built with to endure across time, across distance. So yeah, what's come up for me? Sorry, go for it. yeah. What's come up for me when you say that is uh, the phrase "all paths lead to Rome," right? And I'm still getting the the branding right for my own business because I'm so busy doing everyone else's that I've <laughs> missed out on my own. But um, and if you asked me that question three months ago, it's very different to now um, because lots of things have changed in between then. But um, I think the most important thing is all paths lead to Rome. Now, what that means is that there's either a an attempt or an eventuation to in person, right? Now, what that might mean is this is as close as we can get because we're halfway, we're, you're over in Western Australia, I'm in Sydney, but there needs to be some level of leading to connection, leading to the real thing, you know, and the more technology becomes a part of our lives, the more real the technology becomes of face-to-face. Now, so if we reverse engineer that, we look at someone in a position of like, oh, I'm posting a bit of content today, then what is the closest version of in real life to that, right? Now, the very first thing is, of course, there's there's structure and strategy that can help to, you know, trigger the parts of our brain to stay engaged, like changing the scene every two to three seconds, like using stock footage that's relevant to your audience, using different graphics, things like that, which you would say, well, that's not real life. But what I'm saying is that the expression and the, the message itself is as real as it can get. So one of the values that I always teach is authenticity, right? And that even means speaking to how you feel and being mm. honest about how you feel. And so I, I went my own my own journey for like two and a half years of creating content. And I, it's like my personality. This is the process I go through. I'm very rigid. Like I'm very like, I'll follow all the steps and I won't miss one step if you tell me what to do. And I, so I did that for myself. Like I... <laughs> started to learn how to edit videos and I, I learned everything about videos, how they're done, how to do movements, how to script a video. I created my own scripting system, which is a great tool. But what it did is, and you can see, you can go to my Instagram now and you can see my videos and see what I mean. Like it's great content. It's like, wow, this is like really useful information. But I was like, duh, 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 like a robot, right? And I was like, <laughs> so now like when I, when I relaunch, I'm doing this podcast. Now it's part of the reason I'm doing this because I want to just, chat and have normal conversations but when i do my content again it's going to be more about me it's more me like i'm sharing a picture of me like hey here's me like doing some gardening or here's me doing this and also on top of that the information that i want to give to the world like here are the three steps you can take to become this or that or the other so again like i said before reverse engineering that all paths lead to rome and then from a bigger perspective you want to try and aim towards actually connecting with that person, like your followers and having the a thousand true fans, but rather, rather a thousand true relationships would be better because you don't want fans, you want relationships. So that would be kind of a starting point, I think. Definitely. Well, you know, you mentioned two things that are interesting in there for me. Um, neurologically, there is also um, something called the voice face heart connection. Wow. And when we have access to all of those things, we can feel a connection. So it produces all of that lovely oxytocin, pheromone, dopamine, chemical response, chemical reaction. 
And so I love the fact that there, there is the ability to have that connection where we can see somebody, hear their voice, get to know them in that way, even if it is not directly in person, if it's on YouTube and it's videos that we're watching, at least we can get that voice space heart connection thing going. I am still interested to figure out how on earth do we do that without those channels being involved, because there's an awful lot of that out there and people who don't necessarily have access. So what do you mean by that? Uh, they might be able to uh, receive something that is audio only or printed media, emails, those sorts of things, but they may not have continual all the time access to video. Now, I, I suspect that we're moving further away from that, but I still do have I, clients who can only communicate in that kind of a way because either they're technophobes or um, the internet is is botchy. So, oh, the video isn't working. So we can only do audio today because we have to take the load off the system. So mm. still some interesting questions about that. For well, me with, the pod well, with the podcast here, that goes to audio version only and also video. So there's that format and that way of doing it. So there's, there's kind of two angles. Um, text-based stuff, you can transcribe it. You can make it into text-based mm. posts, into emails and things like that. And that's where the strategy comes in. You need to have a distribution channel. That's different for everyone, right? If someone's doing, you know, a product, for example, um, there's probably more need to be on channels like Pinterest and, you know, doing videos in different formats and different in different channels. Whereas if you're doing like um, coaching for people or you want to say confidence coaching as an example, mm -hmm. you want more video-based content because you want to show the, the, the confidence. Like here's five ways to change your physiology to become a better communicator, for example. So there's different formats, different ways to do it, but not all media dies. Like there's still, it's, it's almost like when a media dies, it becomes more relevant because it becomes unique, right? Mm -hmm. So the unique thing now, um, and I'm sure you've had this before, and I, you know you probably thought the same thing about me when I reached out to you. It's like everyone's received the messages on LinkedIn, not everyone, most people, where it's like, uh, hey, just saw your profile, wanted to connect. And you're like, oh, hey, how you doing? And they're like, Doo -doo -doo, like this huge long message and it's like, like firstly you're offering me a service that i'm offering which means you didn't even check my profile and secondly you just send me this long message and so again the commodity like the the feature is that is that authenticity and that realness and like just wanting to connect with people and i had someone reach out to me yesterday who was like what do you say he's like um hey you just want to reach out and connect p.s i'm not going to send you a pitch after this i just wanted to connect and I responded straight away. I'm like, oh, cool. What do you do? Like, I, I just saw your services. Tell me more about them. <laughs> like straight away, I'm open to it. Nice. So the question always is, is like, how can we show up as our, our real selves? I know it sounds like fluffy and all those things, but how can we show up as our real selves, not just in our own lives, but also online as well? And what things do we need to do as people, whether it's like healing trauma or healing or, you know, going through a process of our own to be our, our best selves, you know, our mm. real selves. So. So in that, is there something, it would, what's going on for me is that I think what made the difference in how this guy approached you was that he approached you from a space of not showing up as needy. Yes. Right? Des uh, no sense of desperation, like, 
I want to connect. And there's a reason I want to connect. And underlying that, you're, you're picking up already that I want to sell you something. I want to push something at you. And I need you to buy. And there's this frenetic energy that goes around with that. Whereas it's just that, you know, I, one of my favorite expressions is the relaxation of certainty. When we're certain about stuff, when we're confident in ourselves, I know it's a cool expression, isn't it? That's Thanks great. to my mother. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, yeah. It, how are we when we're relaxed? And how are we when we're feeling certain about stuff? There isn't a sense of desperation. There isn't a sense of um, push and drag and and friction. We have the calmness of connection and we can connect over time. And if things evolve, things evolve. Yeah. Also, I'm really, I'm really clear about the fact that I, I don't think there is truly a selfless individual that exists on the planet today. Um, I do things because it makes me feel good. Full and, full and plain. So, you know, what makes me feel good? I love helping. And I love it when people go, wow, thanks for helping, Fran. That was really great. Didn't expect that. Or, gee, you really went above and beyond or whatever. And that that fills me. And I go, wow, that's really great. And it's not, I don't, I don't go toward things with the expectation of that. I just know that it shows up pretty regularly. So when that happens, it feels great. I wish I could say I was selfless or do I? I don't know. But yeah, it's... You know, I do stuff because it makes me feel good. And I know I know where you're coming from on the go, go and read the book and follow things. And here's the rules and step by step. I was never good at that because I am the queen of not following rules. (laughs) (laughs) And I get it. And everybody goes, no, Fran, there's this recipe. And if I just I can promise you success if you'll just follow the recipe. I'm not sure I buy all of that. 100%. I get that there's a recipe that worked for that individual. And that's awesome. And I celebrate that. And I've tried that. And their recipes have not always worked for me. And I used to sell a recipe. Now I don't do that. I invite people to go toward what works for them. But continually explore and continually focus on what is it that gives you success in whatever your definition of success is? And if you can do more of that and less of the stuff that detracts or takes it away from you, that's probably your own individual, unique, authentic flow. And I'd say principles. Write your own recipes, right? I think what the word is there that's uh, a bit more appropriate would be principles, right? You have principles that have worked in the past, like, this is a principle that worked, but we're going to try something different with you, right? But we're going to follow this very, very open structure and apply principles where it's relevant, right? And when you're saying that about helping people, right, that really warms me up. Like I was feeling like very warm and happy when you said that because and I feel a bit like funny even saying that because it's like, oh, that sounds a bit lame, you know, warm and funny, but it does. <laughs> it feels great because, you know, and, and helping someone and you've already helped me so much, like more than you know, like just with that oh. conversation we've had. Because, See, that makes me feel good. I'm glad. <laughs> and it makes me feel good as well. And everyone, everyone, it's like this, it's almost like this, um, it's the power of surrender in a way. Like you're, you're just trusting that, that whatever it is, this world life, you know, whatever you believe in or don't believe in is just, it, it's, it's going to work out for you some way. If it doesn't, it'll work out in the long run. Right. Yeah. 
and I've gone through my own process of like just surrendering. Like I started working, I've got three coaches that I'm working with at the moment and one of them is a business coach. And, um, you know, there's a guarantees and all these things you can give. But I just said to him like, hey, look, like I'm just going to surrender. I'm going to surrender that, that, that you look after me. You know, I'm, I'm just going to trust that you do the right thing and we'll just let it go. Let it, and I really just let go. And it's this beautiful feeling of just surrendering. It's like you can't surrender unless you really believe in life and you really believe that the right thing will happen. And that in itself is like a winning mindset. I, yes. <laughs> I guess my response to that, and the reason I say this is I've had feedback across the years from people who go, yeah, but Fran, I get that a lot. Yeah, but Fran, isn't that a bit of a Pollyanna idea? What does right? Pollyanna mean? Um, seeing the world through rose-colored glasses always, and that that sense of blind trust in the universe that if I do good, good things will come back. I personally have experienced that for myself. But who am I to say that if you do everything I've done, you will have the same things I got? I think that's I think that's naive. I, again, it's, I, I agree with what you're saying because my personal experiences have been very similar to that. I'm also okay to give and not receive back. I love it when I do receive back, but I also don't have a huge expectation of it. Cause I think if I did, I would feel disappointed a whole lot. I give because I can, and I want to give when I do receive in return, I'm grateful for it happy that it happened because it feels fantastic. But I also know I'm setting myself up badly if I expect I give and I will receive, especially if it's instantaneous. Because I think um, if you believe in the laws of karma, uh, part of the principles of, of karma are that you may not see the return. It That's will a be there. Pace but you may not see it. Yeah, and I think you're right. It probably is the surrender piece. Mm. But getting real about what are my own expectations around things. So can a person still achieve amazing success in ways that fulfill them if they have a highly skeptical view? Who am I to say they can't? Right. And I'm trying to remember there's a particular word for a, a philosophy of uh, God, I can't remember the name of it now, but it's to have a view that um, having a pessimistic approach can also be very powerful. And doing the naysaying. And ah, I wish I could remember what that's called. I've, I've, a few of the people that have come through my courses have said, uh, how do you feel about this particular approach? And I had to go looking at it to, to find out. And when I researched it, it hit me as wrong. But then I, and I felt like labeling it wrong until I realized it just wasn't resonating with me. But who am I to call it wrong? What if it works for others? Well, I think as well, like that there's, I think part of being what I'd call a swinging human being, like one, a person that's got, a, you know, as close together as one can is that you have both sides of the coin, right? For me, naturally, I'm very skeptical. Like I'm very like, 
when anything comes up with the government, with, you know, people or whatever, it's like, well, what's going on here? And like, I'm always looking out for that. And I think that's definitely a huge tool because you learn how to read people in situations. And there is people who are up to nefarious things who will try to take advantage of you. That's just the nature of life, right? But I think that that if you are able to get to a place where you have a choice and you can make a choice on, hey, something bad might happen here, but I'm consciously choosing to surrender because that's who I want to be. That's empowerment, right? Whereas like I need to be skeptical because I am so scared of being effed over. Yeah. Now, the flip side of that is like I know all things will work out in the long run and I fully trust and I fully surrender, but I'm choosing to be skeptical right now because it's the right thing to do. Like you want to be conscious with it, right? And I think that's the huge distinction piece, at least from my side. Hmm. I, I I love the definition of it because my, my wheelhouse is self-responsibility. So I like it absolutely with the issue of I'm choosing. Great. So right now I'm choosing to surrender or I'm choosing to not surrender, but getting very real with the fact that it's me that's choosing. I'm choosing to be happy. I am choosing to be upset. And in every choice that I make, there's a potential for light and shadow. There's a potential for good and bad. There's a potential for right and wrong in all of those things. And it's me that's doing the choosing. So that's, that's a hugely, hugely important thing. Yeah. And there's people out there that will like get off and effing people over. And like, and I think that you said the light and shadow there. And I think that, You can maybe on a tangent here, but, you know, like Carl Jung says with the dark and the light, like we, we see that a lot in people and I think we need to acknowledge that in ourselves. Like we have that dark and light in ourselves and that there is a part of us that, you know, will enjoy doing certain things that are quote unquote bad. Um, but one of the people that I work with, he's, um, how would you put it? He's, got, he's one of those people that like he can't put a label on. He's got so many tools in his toolbox that he's, he just helps people. He helps people win, right? And he, um, he has this technology called characterology that he that he uses, and along with like a whole bunch of other stuff. And and one of the the things that we worked on together was um, those parts of myself that I thought were bad, um, like for example, like uh, joking around too much in certain situations, or being a bit of a goofball, like a bit of a jester in a way, um, to um, relationship stuff, like you know being anxious in relationships or these weird feelings of abandonment or whatnot. We worked through those and and rather than me saying like, I need you to help me fix this, it was like, he's like, no, I want you to turn that up. I want you to become more of that. In that process, when I just let go and allowed myself to be that person that I was or wasn't or thought I was, um, it kind of bounced itself out. And coming full circle to tie it all together in a nice little knot, this is the same thing with representing yourself online and in person. It's like when you try to wear that mask and try to, work for an outcome you miss the target where it's just like mm. hey like i'm feel like i'm hey this is lukey i'm feeling like shit today just want to share a message like just, people like they're so shocked they're like what okay so coming full circle i think that that's a huge part a uh, huge principle again principles of life it's like integrating those those light and those dark sides like a cynical person needs to integrate more of the light whereas uh, a person who maybe is uh, believing in karma needs to integrate more of that darkness so yeah. Do you, do you know the term cognitive dissonance? Oh, yeah. I do. Yeah. 
So yeah. that I think that comes into it as well when if my brain is saying there's rightness and wrongness in whatever approach that I'm taking, what is it what is the result and what am I feeling? So I, I know it's not good for me to overeat and not exercise and yet I choose to do those things anyway. Uh, because in the moment they feel really good. And then I go into a guilt spiral about all of those sorts of things. So that's the dissonance, the, the, the dissonance, that's the push. So if I can just be with that friction, that perhaps I can create new cycles. And I, I won't say break bad habits, but create a new way, a new approach, something that is added to my toolkit so, mm. hey, guess what? I know how to do the I know how to do the stuff that I have friction with. That's a tool in my tool belt. Now let me create another tool that's called how to do something differently. I love and then that. I put myself in a place of choice and go, which one am I choosing now? I love that. And I've thought about that a lot, you know, like um what is a method that one can use to to move through biases, which I think you just went through then. But it's like what because we know there's these biases, like we got uh, availability heuristic, we got um, optimism, optimism bias, um, pessimism mm-hmm. bias. You know, you can go. List goes on and on and on. But at its core, it's it's when you choose to believe something outside of what reality actually is. But then, if you say that, you then come to the conversation: what is reality? <laughs> um, it you know, is then, reality. And where yeah. is Rome for you? There are many. Ro- all roads lead to Rome. But what is Rome? Where is Rome? Right, and that's, that's part of it. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. And then, so then reality becomes like, is it a, a scientific objective definition? It's like, well, is science objective? So there's this whole huge conversation. But I think mm-hmm. that you've simplified it very well, which was you said, what makes me happy or what makes me feel good? Um, and of course, there's going to be assessments outside of that. Like, am I doing, am I having like a whole bar of Cadbury caramello chocolate? <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's like, am I having that? Well, this makes me feel good. It's like, but. You shouldn't have that every single day. It's like, but it makes you feel good. It's like, then or does it? That. And that's a whole other ballpark. Is it like, is it, is it some kind of emotional, uh, you know, thing that you're holding on to to stay, feel safe or, you know, there's a whole, whole thing yeah. with that, I think. so. And there's good in the now and then there's not so good <laughs> later. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Makes me think of um, a principle that I enjoy dealing with and yet it used to absolutely annoy the bejubies out of some business partners that I had and I think it was my lack of clarity in helping them understand where I was coming from and it's an expression called allowing beingness so when I feel frustrated especially if I'm a person in a leadership role or working on a team working with business partners or virtual partners, you know, you, you take on virtual assistants to do whatever you're doing and you're still dealing with performance matters, right? Well, how can I allow that individual to be who they are at their very best as often as possible, instead of attempting to continually squish them in to my way. So if we take on the all roads lead to Rome philosophy, Surely there are many ways to get to the outcome that I want, because it's just the result. It's the outcome that I want. Is it really the process that I'm wanting as well, or is it just the outcome? So how can I allow you to be everything that you are on the journey 
as long as we're continually navigating to the outcome, to the result, instead of the, the process. That's hot. I love that. That is so, so cool. Works so how does one me. do that? <laughs> so how does, how does one do that? What do they do? Like, let's say, mm. for example, you're managing a team, you know, like I've got a team of six people and I find myself, they're going to be listening to this because they go through these videos and edit them for me. But how, how can I, because I think my way is the best way. We all do, right? It's like, do it this way. It needs to be this way. It needs to be perfect, right? How do we let <laughs> others be themselves in that process? What, what, what is the, the tools, tips? Give me the, the, the tactics. Chances are you're not going <laughs> to like the answer very much. <laughs> Tell me. Okay. Go for it. You've already given it to yourself. Surrender. Here's your mm. mirror. Mm -mm. Yep. <laughs> it's a funny looking if, mirror. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this is, this is the mirror. So if I suppose, you know what, it actually comes down to a worldview that we may hold. And if the worldview sounds like the majority of people want to be great, they want to do good work, they are of good heart, of good purpose, and that's the majority with an acceptance that there are going to be a minority who want to do the wrong thing for whatever reasons, they want to cheat the system, they want to stuff people's lives up. Okay, I will accept there. It's it's likely there are some of those that exist. My personal worldview is that the majority of people really, really want to be great. They want to do good things. They want to receive accolades. They want to impress others. They want to have great connections. They want to have a life that works. And if I trust that, then as I connect with other humans, I'm already stepping into that in a place where I go, I approach you with trust that you're a full, capable human being. I may start to perceive a whole lot of differences in the way you are doing capability versus the way I'm doing capability. But if I can somehow come to a place of trusting that most people are, are good and you have found greatness in, in simply a different way. We've agreed on what the end outcome is. Why do I need to mandate your journey? So what has that done for me over the years? I have made a lot of money because of it. I've also lost a lot of money out of that. Because I also, it, it, as an example, people saying to me, ah, oh, Fran, you, you need to do your website differently, for example. Okay, well, I've had years of experience and evidence that tells me the opposite. But you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you the empowerment. Go, go do it. And you know what? If I am right, then I'm right. I'd actually, in this case, rather be wrong. I'd rather that you break my opinion about the fact that my website is, is not capable of doing what you're say it's, you say it's going to do for me. But what you're telling me is that you're after the same outcome that I am, which is higher performance, better results, more connection, more customers, more people being interested in what you do. And if you can make that happen, then man, I am willing to allow your beingness. Wow. And what, if I'm wrong, 
I'm still in the same position I'm in now. I might have spent some money on it, but you know what? I'm willing. Mm. So, and, and, well, and if you're not willing, say you're not willing, and that's fine. But if you, I'm, I'm not going to debate you and tell you that, hey, I'm going to hire you and then force you to do stuff my way. That's a little bit of insanity now, isn't it? Mm. So you mentioned that, you know, as long as the outcome is achieved, how you get that doesn't matter because everyone's different and unique. What in, in the situation that the outcome is not being met, then what do you do? Do you then start being taking control? Do I take control? And I'm asking that facetiously. Like. Yeah, and I no, I'm really I'm I spend a lot of time investigating that because it's been one of my major challenges. In the past, I could see it, but I was reluctant to call it. Nowadays, I've gotten much better at calling it and calling it quickly. Hey, we had we had an agreement. The outcome is not being achieved. Let's let's call it. And it doesn't mean that we have to name it a failure. What if we look for a different approach? Let's get creative instead of um, going into condemnation, right? Let's let's not condemn it. It's not disaster. Yeah, I I put protections in place so that things aren't disasters. That's called risk mitigation. So insurances do that for me. That kind of thing, right? And I I, I take chances to give people freedom because the upside is always greater than the downside. If that equation doesn't work, then I don't take the chance, right? No risk, no reward. And that's huge. Like I, I want to just highlight that distinction you mentioned there, which is there's a huge difference between surrendering and mitigating risk. You can surrender whilst you also mitigate risk as well. So I imagine, you know, being a business owner myself, that mitigating risk is having clearly outlined what Rome actually is, what the target actually is, Definitely. what has worked in the past, the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. This has worked in the past for most people. Here's how I'd suggest you could do it. Here's a way you could do it. And you can correct me if I'm wrong on any of these. And also um, what the, you know, like I guess you could say, uh, what that looks like as far as time, maybe. Those could be three factors. Is it my own target so far? Most definitely. But it's it's also embracing a, a philosophy that says just because something doesn't work, it doesn't mean that you were bad or I was bad, right? And in terms of, I'm going to take it down to a business or an, an employee relationship, my thought is enter well, exit well. Okay? So something didn't work. Let's have a very upfront, human, kind, compassionate conversation about the fact that this isn't working. And a reality that I'm sure that if a person thought they could do something, they have now discovered that they couldn't under the current circumstances. Okay, that's simply the reality, but it doesn't mean something about the person. What it means is we've discovered another way that it doesn't work. So we either have the time, the availability, the resources, and the willingness to find another path, or we can shake hands and go, okay, this didn't work, and let's let's go our separate ways. But it doesn't mean that we have to divorce badly. 
right? Enter well, exit well. We're gen- mm. And I find most organizations are pretty good at helping people enter well. They're not so good at helping people exit well because they Why go into a spiral. Oh, blame. Mm. There always has to be, and I'm sorry to use the phrase, but ass covering, right? Who's, whose fault is it? Well, if we're truly allowing beingness, we don't, we, we don't have a need. There's a, not a neediness to assign blame. Okay, well, let's uncover the reasons why. What happened? Right? Look at, look at the systems. Look at the processes. Look at the procedures. Look at the, look at the environment. What was the phenomenon that existed around us that allowed for those things to go well or not go well? And let's work with those. But I don't need to fix humans. Humans aren't broken. They don't need fixing. Um, so especially, especially not in a business context. So let me allow you to be the best of who you can be. And if it didn't work, I'm still going to allow you to be the best of who you can be. And we'll enter well and exit well with each other. And there doesn't need to be hard feelings. There doesn't need to be um, bad bad water under a bridge somewhere. So, mm. so you're almost saying like uh, the, the core foundational principle around which you create those procedures, which you create, you know, like the hiring process, wherever it is, it's like, are you allowing someone to be, you know, are you allowing them to really shine? It's like not putting things in the way, like obstacles and procedures and do this one, two, three, and suppress <laughs> their humanity in a way, but rather what can I put in place to allow this person to be the best they can be? And what things are put in place that to recognize and to notice when the paths that we're on maybe don't align. Is that what we're talking about here? Absolutely. And it's, it's something that I talk to leaders a lot about, which is the topic of empowerment. And what does it mean to them? So they say, oh, it's really important to me to empower my people. Okay, well, how do you go about doing that? And then it's, well, I, I tell them what the rules are. Okay. Are you allowing them to make up the rules? Are you allowing them to, and I, I get there's like this, this goes all off into a territory of uh, where is their possibility for empowerment? Where is their willingness for empowerment? But my thought on that is it's very difficult to partially empower somebody. My thought on that is you're either empowered or you're not. Mm. You're, you're empowered and you have freedom or you are constrained and who's doing the constraining. Sometimes it's me, sometimes it's others. And it's really interesting in the past, I've had people work for me that I have fully empowered. And I said, look, this is the end outcome that I'm looking for. You have wonderful expertise and background in lots of different ways. Here's carte blanche, right? Here's here's the, the key to the entire <laughs> business universe that, that belongs to me, but I am empowering you to make full utility of it. When I've assigned credit cards to people, I haven't put limits on the credit card. What I do have though is backstop. I have insurance. Should they do something nefarious with that? There's There are insurances that will help to protect that. But I've also helped them to understand, fully empowered them to say, I will show you all the books because as I equip you with information and empower you, to have freedom to go toward that place that we've agreed to go toward, then the our likelihood of getting there is probably a lot better. 
Mm-hmm. Unless, unless I have such proven methodology that what I'm really looking to do is replicate myself. And quite honestly, I've never found, I've never found good luck in that. <laughs> never found, I've never found productivity with that. Um, yes, we can replicate systems, but then what we have to do is hire people that are willing, able, happy, ready to work exactly with those systems. And that's great. I mean, that's that's kind of the McDonald's philosophy. It's cookie cutter, right? These mm. systems work to produce this thing. What we need to do is find people that are willing to follow that system to produce those things. So I'm still allowing beingness in that, right? Here's this thing. I want it to continue to operate the same way it always operates. Please don't recommend change to this one because it's giving me the outcome that I want. Great. Cool. And that's allowing someone to be as well, you think? Absolutely, because that that's how they're entering. And I go, these these are the things that I don't want to even remotely consider change on because I'm getting exactly the outcome that I want. And if you're willing to play that game, please come. Mm, so and I can bring that, though. So, and those are, I, I have never hired a person into a position where that was the definition of their entire job. It's mm. usually a very finite, very minuscule piece of what they do that we go, that thing just works, right? So, and I'm going to use a really banal example, but it's, you know, this is the way that we have found to cook hot chips. You put them in the basket, you put them down into oil that's at a certain temperature for a certain period of time, they come up. Yes, this is a step-by-step system approach. Okay. If I were to consider change on that, it would need to be a much larger global change, which I will hear, and then consider whether I have the uh, resources, capability, and willingness to entertain. If that's what I hired them to do, though, you bet. Now they have carte blanche. But if I hired them to make chips under my current system, then I want you to make chips under my current system. Mm, so, so well, listening, go for it. It sounds like a contradiction, I know. But it's, it's in the definition of what am, I, what am I bringing you on board to do? What's the purpose of that? Mm, okay. And so for someone listening, for myself as well, that maybe is thinking, okay, so surrendering is letting someone find their own way to roam, their own outcome. But then also at the same time, you're telling them exactly what to do at the start of the process or separately you're doing that. Then wouldn't, so is it is it more than one thing? It's not just surrendering. It's also clarity. So like giving someone, hey, this is exactly the outcome we're looking for. And here's how we want it done, et cetera, et cetera because that's coming back to the principle of allowing them to be. So is that that's the core thing, right? Allowing someone to be, and then you have offshoots of like, that means clarity, that then means surrender, and that means a few other things, right? Is that, am I on the right path so far? I, yeah, I think so. It's clear, it's, it's clarity about, clarity about the, I still am gonna stick with clarity about the outcome. Right, okay. What is it that I want to achieve? Getting mm-hmm. clear on, what am I doing that I am absolutely 100% happy with? And if you asked me the question, Fran, if you could get this thing to perform higher or better, mm-hmm. would you want it to? And if my answer to that is no, I'm actually with it. There's no need for that thing to perform 
better because I can't see how it's going to add to a, a bigger picture, right? And I, I, here, let me give you a really good example of that. Um, my, my company logo, okay? <laughs> my company logo. Somebody could say, oh, Fran, you know, I'm, I'm really excited about putting um, silvery sparkles around it. And, you know, because it, 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 yes, I could allow you being in this and that, but I can't see how that's going to add to my end outcomes, which are deeper connections with people, adding more value in the universe and this and that. If you can show me that, yeah, I might be interested in considering it. But just to allow you beingness to do something that doesn't move forward toward something I want to move forward toward or adds that greater value to our ultimate reason for being, then no, it makes no sense. But I will allow you beingness to have the conversation with me to go, this is how and why I think it will move us in that direction. Mm. That's where I often find that people will go, oh, no, I guess I just really enjoy doing those things and I'm quite good at them. So I thought I might spend some of my time and effort doing that. I go, interesting idea. Let's choose something different that actually is going to move us closer to what it is that we're that we're looking at doing. Mm, I guess one might get confused by that because it can be, um, there's many ways of interpreting it, right? There's like the allowing beingness, like what is that at its core? Is there like principles that you have or what, what, what is that really? I know we've mentioned some of the stuff mm -hmm. now and you're like, why are you asking that for? We're talking about it now. But I mean, <laughs> when, I, when, when I hear that, I'm hearing like it's kind of, there's no set definition. That's how I feel about it. So is there like a set definition that one can guide themselves as a principle or is it that that's, that's the thing. There's no set definition. It's like, what is mm. that feeling for you? And then find that feeling. Is that the process? Pausing. Cause I'm not sure about, I'm not sure. It's a really good question. Um, maybe it's the clarity of what actually really matters. Right. And I'm also coming from a context of being an owner or a leader who somehow has ultimate responsibility for something. Okay? So you have ownership of this thing. I own the vision. I own, the, I own everything that goes on. When things go well, I will have somehow contributed to that because I'm holding the vision of where things are going. When things are not going well, the ultimate finger comes back and points at me because I have contributed to allowing things to not go well. Inside that framework, then, I'm making decisions about what do I believe absolutely matters, right? So let's imagine that um, I've hired you, sorry, out of crazy out of focus there, but um, I've hired you to do a particular job for me, whatever that job might be, marketing of some type. And I have a set idea about what I believe matters. But you're coming to me with levels of expertise that there's, there's a reason that I've hired somebody other than myself, right? So therein lies a great importance for me to allow full beingness of others that I'm bringing in from outside. Okay. 
will there be some things that I would raise my eyebrow at in terms of um, wanting to create difference in? Yes, absolutely. And we would have some serious conversations about things like that. But if you bring to me compelling reason, Fran, I connect with you totally and I get where you want to go. I absolutely believe that I can make a huge difference in that. Let's agree on a, a time frame. Let's agree on some testing along the way where we can get some sense of whether it's working or it's not going to work. And that's where I've fallen down in the past is allowing things to continually not work, not work, not work, not work, not work, and not call it, right? Mm. Not, not bring it to a close. But that's where I would allow total beingness and go, you know what? Go for it. If And we're, we'll agree on that time frame. And then we'll have a look at it along the way. But I'm asking, I'm, I'm hiring you for your help and your assistance and hopefully with a, a different set of eyes than I have. That's great. So did you have a, a list of like a criteria? Like, so someone says to you, yep, like I'm going to allow beingness. I'm on board with that principle. I love it. I want to do it. Is there a list of things one should do before they fully commit to that ideology or that way of being? <laughs> yeah. Check uh, for me, it was checking my own ego. Mm -hmm. Why am I hanging on to what I'm hanging on to? Why do I think something is important or unimportant? What are the things that I'm easily willing to allow others to have free reign on? And on those things that I'm not willing to allow them to have free reign on, why? Right? So for me, the ultimate answer is risk mitigation. What if it works? If it works, is the payoff likely to be a really great payoff? What is the upside? Let's get really specific about the upside. What is it? Do I have the ability, the capability to mitigate risk? If the answer is no, then chances are good. I'm not going to allow beingness because it could sink the ship. Right? But where it's not going to sink the ship, where I can mitigate risk and there's a potential for that upside, yeah, that what I know has to get out of the way is me and my ego. And that's always the hardest part. So try to give a how-to for that. I think a lot of that is experiment. And ask yourself, what does it mean to fully empower people? What is your definition of empowerment? Do I allow, do I allow you to make decisions or do I micromanage you? I'm not That's sure. If I, have I answered the question that you asked? I don't know. <laughs> no, you have. So there's two things you mentioned there, which is looking at your ego, which comes from experience. So it means, so principle, <clears throat> excuse me, a principle that I would um, add to that is um, by, I think it's Ch uh, Chang Mang Tan, who wrote a book called Search Inside Yourself. Wow, I remember that. That's great. Um, he used to work at Google, and one of the principles that he teaches is knowing when to shrink your ego and when to expand your ego. If you had to walk on a stage and do a public talk, you don't want to shrink your ego. You want to expand mm -hmm. it. When you want to, you know, stand out, you want to, you want to show up in a certain way. You expand your ego. If you want to listen to someone's story, have compassion for them. You know, sit with them in their pain or their suffering, or working through a solution, or trying to hear people. You shrink your ego, right? So I think that one's capacity to 
uh, how would you say, move through the different phases of an ego is more relevant to rather than just like remove the ego, you know, because I think you need it as well. So I hear that the first part and the second part, risk mitigation. So mm. I hear I hear in that strategy, I hear the capacity for one to be like, you know, what happens if X? What happens if X? And that is, a, I think, just a practice for life, right? When you enter into any situation, I think even, you know, and sometimes love is love, right? But a relationship as well. It's like, you know, what is this thing going to annoy me like 20 years later? You know, because when we enter relationships, you're in that honeymoon phase, whatever. Different topic, but I hear that as well. So, and I hear that principle as well for life and those two things mm -hmm. that definitely make sense. So, yeah, thank you for sharing. My pleasure. My pleasure. I, the One of the challenging things that I think exists in that message is also the willingness to explore paradox. So, and, and uh, another example that I have of that is when I train trainers, I encourage them to find ways to make people right in all cases. And I get the yeah, but Fran, right? Yeah, but Fran, what if they're just wrong? I've asked a question, they've answered it. This is the answer and they're wrong. Well, let's look at the consequence of making people wrong, especially in a training environment, right? So you've asked people to participate. They've participated. You didn't get an answer that you were apparently looking for when you asked a question. Somebody was courageous, gave you an answer, and you're now going to make them wrong somehow. Wrong in their way of communicating, wrong in the answer they gave, wrong in something, what will be the consequence or likely consequence of that? It's going to shut down contribution. So you've now just disengaged and lost that person. So what is it about their contribution that could be right? Is it right for being willing to engage? Is it right for having a really interesting idea, a creative idea? Is it, is it right for thinking deeply about something and connecting to something? There's always ways to allow beingness in that situation because I've asked you to contribute. So you're contributing. I've asked That's a question, a you've given an answer just because I don't agree or there is a, a rightness or wrongness in that answer. If my way of beingness is to make that other individual wrong, highly likely there will be a disconnection. So this is a paradox, right? How do I create right out of wrong? <laughs> how, do I, how do I engage and disengage? That's, mm. the, that's the balance beam. That's the fine line in between all of those things. And everywhere that I consider the topic of allowing beingness, there is always paradox. Mm. And it's exploring that for yourself and going... What, what is the navigation in that? If that's a philosophy that you find interesting and you want to experiment with embracing and see, does this work for me in my recipe, then how do I navigate that? Because I'm always going to run into those things. When you look at life, right, look at biology, when you zoom into a cell um, or fabrics, for example, uh, or anything really based on what I've read, is you'll see at certain levels order, then chaos, order chaos order chaos 
And what that means is that it's intertwined, like the warp and the woof, like uh, order lives off chaos and chaos lives off order. Mm. So, you know, principles and ways of thinking about life are only as relevant as their, their, their opposite. You know, it's like the yin and the yang, the black and the white and the white and the black. So I think that that's just a principle for life that one ought to know. It's like, what context does this apply in? And that's critical thinking, right? It's like, does this apply? That principle you mentioned there about allowing beingness, when doesn't that apply? That's the first question I would ask, right? You might say, well, never. Let's really think about it. Like, when does that apply? When doesn't that apply? And even if you don't find an answer, you're giving yourself the tools to notice what might be uh, not working for you, right? And I hear that in allowing someone to be right. You know, the principle there is that you want to empower people. When people feel empowered, they go on the train ride of better ideas because empowerment leads to more empowerment, right? So it's like you were so off on that point, but let's just be honest about it. It's like somewhere in your mind that was right. Somewhere in some reality, in some place that was right. And when you acknowledge that that person was right, you then step into a place of like, hmm, what am I missing? Which then ties into one of your principles you mentioned before about radical responsibility. So I like that because I have a tendency to be like, that's wrong. Like I think that there's objective and that's it. It's like, this is wrong. But it's like, no, where is that right? And I think leading with that foot is really powerful. It's like, hey, what? Um, this would have been awesome in this context, but since we're doing this, um, I think maybe it should be this way. That sounds way better than this is wrong, do this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So a person approaches me with something that I'm finding I'm not willing to allow beingness in that moment. Mm-hmm. Can I make them right? in contributing, in coming up with something creative and an idea. And is that part of why I hired that individual as well? Highly likely. Yeah. And here's a a paradox in itself. Yeah. Can I empower you? Is that possible? Wow. Yeah, yeah, it's a big it's one, a big isn't one, it? isn't it? it, it and it, the same, the same thing, thing of can I can make, I make you, you mad? Mad. Mm, mm. Well, something has, well, to, something be has there to be there first. first. Like, what, like what? What is one's what is life? What is their history? Like, do they want to be, be, be here? And and yeah, it goes yeah, to it goes whole, ontological, ontological conversation. I think most definitely. So when we think about empowerment, people have to choose to be empowered as well. You can't force it onto them. Mm-mm. And I, if you, just because I'm saying I'm empowering you to make choices doesn't mean that you are empowered. You have to step into that empowerment to to be empowered is a self is a self process and it takes courage you know, because it means that you are accepting something for yourself and stepping into a responsibility of it with some level of willingness and courage. I've run into a lot of people who I have offered the opportunity for them to empower themselves. And that's probably the best way to, to express it mm. is to say, I'm not empowering you. I'm offering you an opportunity to empower yourself. So are you willing? And people find the concept of that sexy. Yes, I'm totally fully empowered. Yay. An opportunity to make decisions, an opportunity to to create and move forward and all those great things. But then when they experience the reality of it, 
fear often shows up. And I've had people that really, it really surprised me um, at executive level go running Mm. because for them, and then it was really interesting, the reflex, I got accused of not applying enough structure. Isn't that interesting? Super interesting. Okay. So you want me to give structure. Okay. Will you still feel empowered if I apply structure? There's the paradox. (laughs) So for anyone listening that they are empowered and they want to, I guess, take their life to the next level in whatever domain it is and whatever style it is, um, and you might be able to help with that, A, how can you help them? And B, where can they find you? Wow. Um, well, <laughs> thank you for asking that. Uh, definitely the best way is to contact me through my current company, which is called Alive and Kicking Solutions. So they could contact me through the website, www.aliveandkicking.com.au. Uh, or reach me personally at fran at aliveandkicking.com.au. They're welcome to do that too. Uh, that said, uh, there's a new creation coming into being, uh, which is really taking all of the intellectual property that I have built and created and worked on for the past 30 years and uh, bringing it into a more accessible, wider audience, online format. It still has contact with me that uh, can be more accessible called the Peak Performance Leadership and Coaching Institute. Beautiful. Uh, you'll, you'll find that through the Alive and Kicking source anyway. And I love that name, Alive and Kicking. It's great. Thank you. Awesome. Well, thanks for coming on today. I really appreciate it. It's, it's a pleasure to speak to you every single time. I come away with uh, feeling better than what I came in with. So I, I love this and yeah, I really appreciate you. Oh, gratitude for the outreach and thanks very much.